0: welcome to the buckycast folks my name is john along with will and rob and a, we have a special guest this week a guest contributor uh, dan cunningham has joined us dan the man welcome dan he Thank is you. going to be doing uh he's going to be doing a preview of illinois state amongst other things for us this week uh Heavy, heavy research dude. Um we're 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 adding him right now as a sort of a provisional member. Um he doesn't know about the full podcast because we're a bunch of shady characters. So, you know, <laughs> honestly. I don't know if he wants to be associated with us, but he's here tonight to talk about the upcoming Badger football game, and give us a little preview of Illinois State. Will, how are you doing? Doing well.
1: Uh, Had a day off work today. Spent the day fishing. Didn't catch anything, but I'm still outside most of the day, so doing great. First
0: day fishing is better than the best non-fishing day of the year. Preached. Rob, how's it going?
2: It is going well. Tomorrow is day one for elementary school, so we'll see how that works. And then this week is week one of Wisconsin football so it's good all around right
0: folks tomorrow night I'm going to be sitting on my couch much like I was on Saturday uh not really talking to anyone and doing nothing but watching football because this is these are the high holy days of college football uh, you know that everyone's a winner right now well except Nebraska and so you just everyone's got that sense of anticipation right now you know you can do anything so we'll see what happens
3: dan how are you i am doing well i want to say uh thank you to big john and will and rob for having me out and uh uh speaking of heavy researcher i'd just go with heavy and maybe okay. the researcher okay i'm okay at But uh, as a typical cheese head, uh, you know, I've had a few uh, steaks and and, uh, a little bit of corn and uh, cheese in my life and a little bit of beer, which I'm happy (laughs) to have tonight with you all. So thanks for having me, guys.
0: Yeah, haven't haven't we all, haven't we all? All right, let's jump right into it. We're going to go to our beer roundtable. And because it's only polite, I'm going to go to our guest first. Uh, Dan, what are you drinking tonight?
3: You know, uh, this is going to irritate the uh, the crowd that frequents, uh, uh, you know, some uh, Wisconsin Badgers forums. But I'm having a Summit Extra Pale Ale Ooh. from St. Paul, Minnesota. So, yep, uh, yep. Yeah, yeah, there's you nothing.
0: Well. There's uh, nothing. You're you're up in the Indian Head country, so there's nothing wrong with with turning to Summit. Uh, they're an acceptable brewery. I see nothing thank wrong you. there.
3: You know, I, I did have a liney's, but my dang wife drank one that I was saving for this week. Who's oh. out? she's she's in Rhinelander this week, uh, by the way, with with friends vacationing. And well, before so uh, she she left, she,
0: before yeah. she left, before she drank your your line in Google's. So
3: she's she's on thin ice. Let's put it that way. She's wow. almost out.
0: Yeah. All right. That's well, the the, uh, the Summit Extra Pale Ale is a, is a good one. Um, Rob, you're up next. What are you drinking tonight? All right, I'm going with a Eagle Park Brewing Company. Ooh, that's a good one.
2: <laughs> Push Play Pale Ale because it's groovy. It's very groovy. Nice.
0: What are you thinking of it so far?
2: It's a. It's it's pretty good. I mean, I'm I'm digging the pale ales. So
0: yeah, this trip Eagle, down the
2: beer alley. Pale ales are a good thing.
0: Eagle Park is a great brewery and honestly i don't think i've been there yet i've had some of their beers i haven't been to their actual tap room yet so i gotta make that journey maybe the bucky cast will will all make it maybe eagle park is a is a has a very good reputation so we'll see what happens we'll see what happens will what are you drinking
1: um so first i think eagle park that's the place it has a tap room in Madison, right?
0: Does Eagle Park have a tap room in Madison now? Oh, no, no, I'm thinking of Parched Eagle. No, you're, are you mind. thinking of? Yeah, yeah, I was I'm thinking of sad. Parched Eagle. Yep, Parched so, Eagle. Never mind that. Totally um, different outfit.
1: I got another one of my Saturday uh, Saturday beer companies. Another one of my special pilsners. I uh, this is a really good game day beer. I think this is might be something I try to keep stacked in the fridge to have on Saturday during tailgates.
0: No. Um, will i assigned you the task of determining what that was that brewery did you did you figure it out i have not
1: uh, i Ast- the more i look on instagram and did some research it seems like they i'm pretty sure it's either like a cousin company or like a nephew company in young blood or it's literally just some of the people that work at Youngblood with some of the extra materials and time, they're trying to make a couple extra beers. Uh, I should be going to Youngblood. relatively soon. When I'm in there next, I'll just ask one of the bartenders there, like, what's up with Saturday beer? Unless I uh,
0: beat you to it.
1: Unless you Uh, beat me to it. What's this
0: called? What's it? Saturday?
1: Saturday Beer. I can't actually know if it's Saturday Beer Company or just Saturday Beer. I thought it was Saturday Beer Company. But I'm not sure.
0: We'll get to the bottom of this one way or the other, folks. Yeah. I, myself, I went back to the Vintage uh, this week up in Sauk. And I don't think this is one of their exclusive beers, but it is the Vintage Brewing Company's Whippoorwill Wit. Uh, it's a, you know, wit beers are a little fruitier. Um, I'm not a huge fan of wits. Uh, this one is, uh, I would judge it okay. I mean, um, it's not it's not anything spectacular. Uh, it does have a nice, smooth. Hold on, let me smell it quick. Yep, you can definitely, definitely smell the, the fruit and the spices to it. Wit beers are always a little, a little weird because if you let them sit too long, they get a little funky tasting. Um, you won't, you won't get that from an Oktoberfest. I'll tell you that much. But this one, this one's acceptable. I mean, it's not a beer that I'm gonna, you know, put my nose up at and pour out, which I never do anyway, but um uh, so yeah that's our beer roundtable
3: you know i all gotta right. say you guys you guys are connoisseurs of the beer world i drink bud light and coors light it's so <laughs> a bush give me a bush light you know no like, no no
0: see but you're tonight you're drinking a summit so you're at least you're scaling up oh so I mean, that's that's I've heard, good
3: i've heard the podcast i gotta roll with my homies here yeah <laughs> no
0: yeah movie telling you i'm just
1: saving i'm saving the highlight for uh the special episodes
0: (laughs) (laughs) well we'll we'll give a natty light uh review one of these days (laughs) all right so let's go on to our news and notes we have a few of the quote unquote non-revenue sports to cover uh number one on uh the agenda. We have to talk about, uh, the women's volleyball team, um, drop down to number six. They had a split trip down in Texas. Unfortunately, uh, they beat TCU with very little problem, uh, three, nothing. Uh, those matches were all piece of cake. Um, so, uh, but then they went to number 16 Baylor and they wound up losing a nail biter uh, three sets to two. They won the first set, uh, dropped the second, dropped the third. Both times uh, they had the lead in those uh, sets and just, you know, coughed it up. Uh, They won the fourth set. And then again, another nail biter in the fifth, they wound up losing that one 15, 12. So, um, they're instituting a new offensive system with the six, two, uh, I won't go into too much detail because honestly, I would be terrible at explaining this, but, uh, it's a new system for Wisconsin that features extra outside hitters because they have a lot of outside hitters this year. Um, Sarah Franklin, speaking of, uh, led the team in that, in the, uh, Baylor match, uh had a double double twenty two kills ten digs. she also led the team in uh kills against t c u so Sarah Franklin's billing as a possible um big ten player of the year candidate was fulfilled this last weekend um, Rob, are you a little disappointed that they that they split or is it just sort of like it's the beginning of the year and
2: No, I'm really, I want to watch one of these games in depth because I went through and I looked at some of the stats and and I don't know how much of it is the 6-2 system that's uh, the uh, 4-2 system that's affecting everything where you have, you know, that extra setter on board. And, you know, last year we had one setter on the court at one time so you could have that back row hitter. The thing that I really noticed is that the total kill attempts Uh, for both of their games this year are lower than any of the games they had last year. And set by set, they haven't even hit 40 kill attempts in one set, which they did regularly last year. So I'm wondering if the system is causing them to have less kill attempts because they're getting a ton of kills. Their errors are about the same. Their aces are about the same. Their blocks are about the same. So the only thing that I can see that's different without having actually watched a detailed game is looking at the statistics. It's just that their attempts at kills are lower. And I think that's a direct correlation to the system they're using. So maybe we'll see as they get more familiar with it, those those kill attempts go up. But I'll be honest, unless they're really, really efficient, if they don't get those kill attempts up there, I'm not sure what we're going to see for the rest of the year against these high level teams that they're going to be playing. Yeah, um,
0: service errors in the... Uh... Baylor game absolutely killed Wisconsin. I believe they had 20 service errors. So, uh, yeah, they, they can't have that happen. So hopefully they'll clean that up. Keep in mind, this is a team that is almost practically brand new. So they still have to work out how they're going to work together as a team. But there's tons of talent. So I can't imagine it's going to be too difficult to figure this out. They have so many elite players on that team. It's just a matter of working everything out and working in a new system. Anyway, next week, or I should say this week, uh, Friday night, they get to uh, host Marquette and that is on BTN. That's the season opener. Um, If you don't have tickets, I don't think you can get them anymore, but they are going to raise a banner. They're going to show off the national championship trophy. So if you are going good for you, you, definitely the chance of a lifetime to see that. Uh, then Sunday, they're playing High Point, and then I don't really... The schedule, and I I haven't kept up with any of the... Of the uh, they haven't really posted anything on Twitter about this. It sounds like there's going to be another game against either Marquette or High Point, and the admission is free for that second match on Sunday. So if you get a it, chance...
2: It looks second, like a round robin. It looks like we play Marquette Then we play high point and then Marquette plays high point. So that's what it looks like to me, but I'm not positive on that.
0: So that may be Marquette versus high point.
2: Yeah, I think we played Marquette on Friday. I don't know. Then Marquette has to stay for two days. And it looked like we play high point on Sunday. And then it looked by the schedule that Marquette plays high point on Sunday. But yeah, I'm not Mm -hmm. sure. That would be weird that they stay for two days.
0: Yeah, it seems a little odd. Uh, well, you know, we'll show them a good time at any rate. <laughs> the elite University of High Point, I believe it's in South Carolina. I'm not positive. We'll we'll leave that one rest. Uh, quickly to the men's soccer team, uh, who started out the year. I haven't marked two and zero, and it's actually one and zero. Wisconsin should be two and zero. So uh, they managed to beat uh, Utah Tech last week uh, pretty comfortably. Five to nothing victory. And I expected that. I believe last week I referred to Utah Tech as a school I'd never heard of. And it turns out there's a good reason because they absolutely whooped them. Uh, It's hard to score a a five nothing shutout, um, you know, against a, a bad team, much less, you know, a team you've never heard of. But they did it. And then they got a little bit robbed this last weekend. Uh, they played number 11 Tulsa, and they were up 3-0 uh, after, after the break. Everything was rolling along, and then a series of storms hit Madison. And they called, the mat- they called the match at 68 minutes, which was two minutes short of the amount of time you need to have a, uh, a decision rendered. So, Wisconsin wound up taking a no contest in that match. Now, I don't care if they say it's a no contest. In my opinion, they won. Because they were up 3 nothing with uh, all the momentum rolling for them against Tulsa. So, uh, anyway, uh, Inaki Irabaran and Jack Finnegan, who was the uh, Big Ten Men's Soccer Player of the Week, each have three goals already on the year. So they're really lighting it up. Um, I'm looking forward to this. Now, men's soccer was not all that great last year. I'm hoping maybe this year they get a little bit rolling. They've got new coach uh, Neil Jones, who I believe is from New Zealand. It's New Zealand or Australia, but I think it's New Zealand. And we'll see if he can work some of that uh, down under magic with the men's soccer team. Anyway, uh, this Thursday they play at Milwaukee. And then Monday, they play at Western Michigan, which is actually not as easy of a game as it sounds like. So we'll see how they do there. Women's soccer very quickly. Um, the uh, women's soccer team. They, last week, I said they, they took a tie against number seven. Was it TCU that was number seven?
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, uh, they took a tie there. And I said that was as good as a win. Well, this last week they took a tie that was practically a loss. Uh, they tied Loyola of Chicago 1-1. They gave they had the lead up until the 88th minute and then uh coughed it up and you know that Loyola was not on their level. And to to wind up with a tie that way it just felt like uh, it feels like a loss, but they redeemed themselves this last weekend. They beat Green Bay 3-0. So Erin uh, McKinney continues to be outstanding in goal. Uh, she, I think she's only given up either, it's either one or two goals on the year. But Wisconsin women's soccer team now ranked number 22 in the country, uh, 2-0-2 to start out the year. And one other quick note on the men's and women's cross-country teams. Uh, in the Great Lakes region, uh, cross-country is split split into, into different geographical regions. Uh, but they include all these different, um, obviously Division One Power Five schools. Uh, Wisconsin's men's cross country team is ranked number one in the Great Lakes region, and the women's cross country team is number three. So they uh, start their matches or their—I I don't know—I don't even know what you call cross country. A, a meet—is it a meet? I think it's a meet. Uh, their meets start next week. So, um, looking forward to uh, seeing that get started. Hopefully, they can carry that over into a uh, into an NCAA title or something to that nature. We're still All getting that, our, our our grips on cross country. So forgive us. We do have real, real quick, John. Thing.
1: What's that? Uh, for I'm gonna have one thing real quick. For those that don't know, the uh, men's cross country team, their head coach is called. His name is Mick Byrne, he is a fantastic coach. I think a lot of people would not know who it is, but this guy is kind of a, uh, I don't know if legend is the right word, but he's very well regarded in, in the running world. And like our the team's ranked number one, so I'm sure it's not that big of a surprise, but um, I have a buddy that ran track at Oshkosh and he was just like, oh yeah, the coach at UW is unbelievable. So shout out to Mick.
0: Awesome. And that's our news and notes for this week we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to go to our mailbag segment. So we'll be right back. Welcome back to the Bucky cast John here with Will and Rob and special guest Dan Cunningham. We are going to go to our mailbag. I am so excited that we have another email to cover and this one comes to us from Adam Bach again. Uh, he has a twofold question here. I'm going to go over the first part, and I'm going to kind of, uh, I'm, I'm going to censor it a little bit here. He's asking, what teams do you believe could potentially be overlooked during the season? I'm personally expecting Washington State with a high-caliber quarterback, and then sort of some dated info here and Nebraska. You would have to think a team with such tradition would be able to turn around eventually. You'd Oops. think that, Adam. You'd think that, but. You know, we'll have to wait and see, I guess.
1: If we could uh, insert gifts into our show, I would have like Lee Corso saying, not so fast.
0: Yeah, exactly, <laughs> pretty much exactly that. Yep. Uh, so in terms of a uh, potential opponent that we could overlook, you mentioned Washington State. Uh, Rob, what do you think?
2: Yeah, I would say that um, a potential for us to overlook an opponent is Northwestern. We typically always have trouble playing Northwestern, especially when we have to go to Evanston. So that's that's the first step of it. And then we're playing them right before Michigan State. So I think it's really a chance for the team to kind of look forward, um, especially depending on how we do against Ohio State. But I think it's a chance if if we know we need to beat Michigan State to look overlook uh, Northwestern. And we definitely should not do that this year.
0: All right. Will, who do you think is, might give us trouble?
1: You know, one team I'm a little nervous about is Illinois. They, they kind of just, you know, blew Wyoming out of the water. Now, on the one hand, you know, it's Wyoming. They don't have a, a great squad this year. Um, on, the, on the other hand, you know, their, their quarterback, you know, threw the ball almost 40 times, completed I think I think it was twenty-seven for thirty-seven. Uh, the running back had nineteen carries, like one hundred and fifty some yards. You know, they won. They only gave up six, six points. So, like, they beat the crap out of a team they're supposed to, and then you just throw in the fact that Brett Bielema is their coach. Uh, so yeah, that, that's just to give them a little uneasy about.
0: You pronounced it incorrectly. Wiltz Burt Bielema?
1: Oh my bad. I should I should know better. Yeah, it.
0: Um, I am going to go with Purdue uh, because Purdue is such a wacky school and sooner or later, sooner or later, just like with Minnesota, they're going to pop up and bite us in the butt because, uh, you know, they've got a good quarterback this year. Everyone's stressing about, oh, my God, they can't replace all those receivers. David Bell and Milton Wright, uh, you know, they've got a lot of wide receiver talent on that team. I don't think that's going to be a problem. They have a really great tight end. Uh, their defense, who knows? Maybe they outscore people. But Purdue is going to be a tough out, and we'll see what happens with them. But that's that's my choice for like a game where you kind of have to watch out a little bit. I think it's right after we come back from Michigan State, too. So, uh, Dan, did you have anybody that you think uh, might come and bite us?
3: You know, I don't know if it's if, if we can be bit by them any more than we have in the last couple of years, but I'm going to say the Golden Gophers, I, I believe that we're going to go into that game with a distinct potential of going into the Big Ten Championship. And uh, Minnesota has to replace its offensive line, but due to a couple transfers, and they're very strong up the middle, I think that Minnesota could be overlooked. I don't think that's going to happen because there's a lot of payback. And they jumped around on us after that last uh, after the game last year, which was uh, which was actually pretty funny. But the game wasn't. And so uh, strong defensive line, strong defensive backfield. I think Minnesota could be overlooked and possibly underrated this year.
0: All right. Adam's second question. What is your game day routine and your favorite personal tradition you have during the football season? Guys, this is a hard one for me to answer. Um, I don't really know that I have a lot of traditions other than, um, you know, I wake up in the morning. uh, If I, if it's a game where it's not going to be at 11 o'clock, I usually like to eat a big breakfast, lay a good, strong base, (laughs) and then uh, head out to Regent Street and just, uh, bounce from tent to tent and uh, bar to bar having a beer watching the day's action and then just uh you know file my way into the seats i don't really have any superstitions or anything like that that i that i have to follow that course it just seems like a really solid respectable thing to do uh when you're going to a game especially but it's fallen off a little bit especially now that i have kids and i'm usually taking my kids to a game Uh, There's not as much bouncing between tents and bars as there used to be. There's more walking around Camp Randall going, look at the tradition and that this happened here and that happened there. And look at the banners with all the players on them. And depending on which child, it's either a, Ooh, who's that guy? Or uh, I don't care. uh, Let's go. Will, what do you have for a game day tradition? You were in the band for God's sake. Come on now.
1: Yeah. So you're just saying so I was in the band for five years so for five years I had a close to the same thing every week routine the only thing that changed was the show we did on the field um so since then you know since I since I've graduated my game day routine is very varied like who I'm tailgating with where I'm tailgating uh sometimes I, I don't tailgate at all I just got a spot I, I biked uh, to, a, to a bike rack and I just walk the game and head back out. Um, so I don't know if I have a routine. Like, I think it's very changing week by week. And the personal tradition that I have is, well, one is I haven't missed a home game since 2007. So that's a little streak I got going. And two, with two, with the exception of two or three games in that streak, I am always on time for kickoff and I stay till the clock is zero. And you that's stay
0: for the fifth quarter.
1: I I say I don't say for every fifth quarter, but I say for a lot of fifth quarters.
0: Yeah. Okay, well let's what? ask this question. Maybe maybe this is a better question to ask. What's your favorite tailgate food item?
1: Does do Bloody Marys count as food?
0: Do they have <laughs> celery in them?
1: <laughs> uh, well, if they're made correctly, they'll have pickles and olives and cheese and usually a beef stick.
0: Okay. Well, if they're done properly, then sure. That's, okay. that's the soup that drinks like a meal.
1: Right. Yeah. So if it's if that counts, then it's that. Otherwise,
0: I mean, you can't be the brat. So all right, Rob, anything?
2: Well, I am not uh lucky enough to be in Madison like you guys. So I will uh prep where I'm gonna get my chicken wings from. So I'll either make them myself or uh, I will go see if I'm going to get uh, B-dubs or something like that. If I go, if I'm lucky enough to go to Madison, then I will park my car in some old guy's backyard, precariously tilting so it might fall into his basement. Right. And then I will, I will also uh, then probably partake of some game meat beef jerky and some brats and then I will go uh, park in my seat from kickoff to the end of the game, end of the fifth quarter, because I'm not some band uh, trader over there like Will.
0: <laughs> will, I can't believe you don't stay for the whole fifth quarter. Uh, Once you're, you you're in the in, band.
1: You were in the band. What, I played in 35 of them? Like,
0: <laughs> He knows get what's it. going on, folks. Dan, what about you? You're you're a tailgater par excellence. Yeah, I am located
3: uh, north of Highway 94. So I don't uh, we, we just got uh, season tickets last year. So I was really, our, you know, we, I've seen three games prior to that, prior to last year. And so normally what I do when I'm at home is I sweep the garage like three or four times nervously in the morning until the pregame starts. And then uh, I'll throw the pregame on my uh, my radio, and uh, and then I will sweep the garage about three or four more times. Since we've been coming down there, um, my wife bakes. So we've been having a lot of baked goods in addition to cheese and brats and chips. That's how we roll. Oh, by the way, and I will say, though, that we really, really enjoy the overall atmosphere being kind of newbies down to um, uh, the, the Madison environment. And we do stay for the fifth quarter because we're rookies at it. And because the band is awesome and it's great. And that's my story. and I'm sticking to it.
0: Yep. It's always a good time tailgating. There's, there's never enemies unless Minnesota's in town, never enemies. You know, I think we, we, you and I tailgated from the Nebraska game. And I think a few Nebraska fans walked by and, you know, there's the usual chest thumping, but for the most part, their fans are willing to partake of a when, when in Rome, do as the Romans do, they'll have bratwurst and cheese curds and beer until it comes out their noses because that's what we do. Uh, so, yeah. Um, one thing. Day, oh, go ahead, Will.
1: I would say one thing I was going to add, I just remembered, I think the most common thing I do that might not be common for a ton of other people is I like to go to the Badger Bash at Union South before the game. Oh, yeah. salad, Buddy Marys. They got, you know, they got beer. And it's not as expensive as some of, you know, those, uh, like, university-run events will be. And if you get there early enough, you go up to the second level, get right up to the uh, um, edge of that little terrace and kind of listen to the band, watch the band before, before the game. So that's a lot of fun. Um, if you, you kind of want to listen to the music that you might not be able to
2: hear during the game.
0: One of these days, I'm going to have to hit Mickey's Dairy Bar because I've never been... And I have to, I'm going to have to get in line at like 6:30 in the morning just to get a seat in there. But it's so hard to wake up at 6:30 on a Saturday morning when you're old. And when I was younger, it was just, you know, that was, that was never a thing. It was like, I would wake up at six 30 ready to drink. All right. Well, we're going to take another break here quick. And we come back the, the meat of the show, the, the actual, the true content is going to come through. Cause it's, week one and uh we got to be ready to go so we'll see in a bit thanks for listening welcome back to the bucky cast this is john along with will and rob and special guest dan cunningham we're going to get to the meat of it folks obviously it's week one week zero has passed us by and it's time to get started with badger football season Let's kick it off. We'll start off with the injury report. Uh, it was just released last week um, or earlier this week, I should say. Uh, out for the season, we have four Badgers who are out for the year. Uh, Travian Blaylock, we already knew about, uh, suffered his that devastating knee injury in spring. Um, Travian's a guy that, uh, you know, I hope he comes back for sixth year of eligibility and he's able to play at Wisconsin because he's just a solid kid all around. I, I really like him. Uh, Mike Jarvis who showed a lot of promise. He's out with a leg injury for the rest of the year, so hopefully he'll be able to recoup that. Uh, Luna Larson, one of the big walk-ons that we got. Uh, three-star player had a ton of scholarship offers to G5 schools, but he chose to walk on at Wisconsin. He will redshirt his uh, freshman year because he's out with an injury. And the big one that happened this week was the backup quarterback, Chase Wolf. Uh, he was going to be the second string behind um, Graham Mertz. He took all the second team snaps in the open practice that I attended. He uh, hurt his knee and is out for the year. So we're going to see if uh, Deacon Hill or Miles Burkett is ready, probably in this very upcoming game. And then out for the game that we know of right now, Tanner Bortolini has a leg injury. Um, he is probably going to be out for maybe a week or two yet, but he is the primary backup at center for now. They have Trey Wedig at center, which seems really weird to me because Trey Wedig is very, very tall. That's not a traditional center spot. Um, Cam large is out. That's a little disappointing, but, Uh, We'll see if Cam can make it back this year. He may not. Spencer Little, who is really running out of time to make an impact at Wisconsin. He's already down to like two years of eligibility after this year. So we'll see if he can come back from that injury. He's in a crowded inside linebacker room. Isaac Townsend is out for this game. He is another guy who you know has to make hay while the sun is shining because he's not got a lot of eligibility left either. And finally, Aaron Witt, who is not out for the year. Uh, I, I did see him at the open practice uh, last week, and he was not in a cast. He still had the scooter, but no cast on his foot. So that was a good sign. Who knows, Aaron Witt may come back. And God, we would love him back at the level he was at when he played against Wake Forest in the uh, Mayo Bowl. So that's the injury report. Uh guys, any any comment, Rob or Will?
1: I'll just say I like you mentioned, I'm very happy Aaron Woods not out for the season. Uh he's someone who, I mean, like you said, coaches are real high on uh early in his career. And you know, you just you hope a kid like that can can stay healthy long enough to you know make an impact because you know, one, it'll help the team, which is you know good for fans, but also uh you want the guy to have as uh, enjoyable as a college crazy as he, as he can. So I'm happy he's not out for the season. Um, Cause I think. Initial reports, of a
0: condor too. Yeah.
1: The initial <laughs> reports are saying it might be another season. Uh, ending injury. So that's a uh, silver lining.
0: All right. Well, then the week one depth chart was released. Um, there were a couple of surprises we're not going to dwell too much on the depth chart. We just want to go over the main surprises for us. Uh, Rob, what was your main surprise?
2: Yeah, I think I was a little surprised that uh, Ricardo Hallman was not uh, in a a starter. Now I'm not going to sneeze at being a a freshman and still being in the two deep, but I thought the way he came on at the end of the year last year, and just a lot of the hype that was going around, I thought for sure he was going to grab one of the positions. Um, I know you know, we brought in Jay Sean. It sounds like he's really, really good at the uh, at the corner position. So it sounds like we got a good one, but it's just – it was a little surprising to me that we didn't see him bumped up there, maybe with a Dort or somebody like that.
0: Dan, what's your biggest surprise?
3: You know, I'm going to go fullback with uh, Jackson uh, Acker. And uh, the reason being is that uh, he played halfback in high school, plus some middle linebacker. And, uh, you know, normally halfbacks aren't fitting blocks, aren't uh, uh, making contact and driving somebody out of a hole or trying to maintain control of them. And so I would I would say that uh, he's my surprise starter.
0: Not only that, feet. he
3: beat out a sophomore too. That's, that's pretty crazy.
0: Well, it'll be interesting yeah. to see how much of an impact he has on games because he has that tailback running ability. He can catch the ball. Uh, We'll see what he is as a blocker, but um, yeah, he looks uh, definitely interesting at that fullback position. Will, biggest surprise.
1: You know, I think if, you know, last, at the end of spring ball, if you'd have told me that uh, Logan Brown wouldn't be a starter on offensive line, I I would have been a little, little surprised. And, um, you know, obviously uh, Riley Malman kind of came on strong and, and won that spot, and in his own right, was a really good recruit. Um, I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm just a little surprised that, you know, kind of Logan Brown wasn't able to kind of put a camp together and, and kind of win that down. Uh, so I'm going to go with Logan Brown not being a starter at right tackle.
0: Fair enough. Uh, I am going to go with Muma Jungmeta, who managed to beat out uh, Tatum Grass and Jake Cheney, who both ran with the ones in spring and fall. Uh, Muma seemed like the forgotten man, and then all of a sudden he must have just turned it on in that last couple weeks of uh, fall camp because now he is a starting inside linebacker. So he's going to run with Jordan Turner. I think that's a really exciting inside linebacker combo. Uh, Turner's in the short sample size we've seen is clearly our best cover linebacker. Uh, moves really well in space. Muma's just got speed and blitzing ability he just looks like a a stud so we'll see what happens with that uh quick note there's going to be a ton of visitors uh for wisconsin because it's a home game it's in september uh week one i just wanted to note some of the prospects who are coming in uh, at quarterback, there's going to be a few other guys, but the main guys we wanted to note were uh, Jerry Kaminsky, who is, I believe, a South Dakota recruit, North Dakota, one of the two. Uh, he's a commit to one of those schools, but he is taking an unofficial visit to Wisconsin. It's interesting to wonder if he's going to get a preferred walk on or scholarship offer uh, this weekend because uh, Kaminsky is having a heck of a season right now at sun prairie east i i think he's thrown like 10 touchdowns already i think he's run for another one he's just a a a really exciting dude very dynamic and he's kind of come on strong here in his senior year so i wonder if wisconsin's gonna you know take a look at him and see if they can get him flipped over from an fcs school to the badgers and then Ryan Brown, who goes to Milford Academy in Connecticut, he's originally from New York, but uh, Brown is a big, tall kid at six foot five. Sort of those, one of those prototypical pocket passers. Uh, Wisconsin's going to give him a long look as well. Badgers still need a quarterback in that 2023 recruiting class, and this is they're they're sort of sifting through the bin right now. And Ryan Brown is one of those guys who's come up. He's One of the two or three most likely quarterbacks, I think, to get a scholarship offer from Wisconsin. Uh, A couple of athletes coming in, Titus Cram from Iowa. He looks like he's going to be a running back. Uh, One of the top five prospects in Iowa from the, the class of 2024. He's the only one who's not yet committed to Iowa. Uh, But, you know, that Wisconsin allure of being a running back for the Badgers is is very strong with him. I think Titus Cram is going to be upgraded from a three to a four-star prospect at some point. He just looks too good, too smooth with the ball. Um, So we'll see what happens there. And then Andre Lovett, who I believe is a cornerback. He's from Blue Island, Illinois, and he's a 2025 prospect. Uh, He is also going to be... Available at uh, as a week one visitor. Uh, I haven't looked too much at his film yet, so I can't say very much. But, you know, he looks like a, a, a rising prospect in that class. Um, Colin Dixon, who has committed to the Badgers already for 2023, is going to be visiting. And he is absolutely tearing it up this year. I think he's already over 300 yards receiving with three or four touchdowns. He had a 200-yard game receiving in his last game. So Colin Dixon's really turning it on. He might be due for a ratings bump by 247 as well. And then finally, some offensive linemen are going to be coming in. The big ones are Liam Vaughn from Walled Lake, Michigan. He is the brother, younger brother of Aiden Vaughn, who is a freshman linebacker for Wisconsin. It'll be interesting to see if they can pull him out. He's more of an interior line guy. And then Owen Strebig, who we've talked about at length on the show from Waukesha Catholic Memorial, uh, class of 2025, six foot seven, 280 pounds already, is just a high school sophomore. So exciting player to have come in. And I, I wonder if Wisconsin might, I don't know if they'll pull the trigger this early, but uh, he's probably the best offensive tackle prospect in that class in the state. So it'll be interesting to see what they do with with Owen. And that's the that's the recruit coverage. Uh, let's move on and give a quick talk about week zero, guys. Week zero is always like uh, the sort of the, the misfit, the island of misfit toys of the college football season. Um, you get a lot of games thrown at you that are you know games you wouldn't normally watch. I watched. Uh, You guys, in some cases, watched Will was camping. Will Will was unavailable to follow week zero. Uh, Quick and part the first, the the biggest game in week zero was Nebraska Northwestern. Uh, Nebraska killed Northwestern last year, put up over 50 points against them. This year was a totally different story. Rob, Will, Dan, what did you guys see in that game? Like you said, I couldn't
1: watch it, you know, didn't have access to a TV, but I was kind of checking Twitter and seeing the highlights, and I just thought it was a great almost like uh, idea of what Nebraska is in one game. Like you got this huge lead. Everyone's excited. Then you give up the lead, you know. Then the second half, you get the lead back, and then you decide to do an onside kick. With a 2 throw lead. Mm-hmm. Two score leads, you know i I always thought plays like that. Save that when you're playing Ohio State and you find yourself up three in the third quarter, and you're like, let's Let's try to snag this from um, them, you know. And then so then they lose that lead again, but then they have this huge stop against Northwestern. And then they throw a pick, and then they lose. Yeah, the <laughs> same time their quarterback threw for like three fifty. I I just I don't know. Get yourself There's together, roller coaster. Just
2: when the game started, uh, I started to get a little concerned. Both quarterbacks looked sharp. Uh, The plays being called looked sharp, Um, and both teams really looked like they had really revamped and improved their offensive um, sides of the ball. Uh, Their defenses from the beginning did not look good, so I still felt very comfortable with Wisconsin's chance against either team, Um, and then in the second half once there was some pressure in the game uh we saw the quarterback start to uh, become unraveled so I think that what's going to happen is Wisconsin's defense is going to punch them in the mouth early and often and I think Wisconsin's offense is going to run all over both of those teams so uh yeah I I think I'm pretty comfortable with where everything ended and it's always amusing when uh Nebraska loses, uh, you know, victory at the last second.
0: <laughs> Dan, what did you think?
3: You know, I I'm I'm a person that concentrates on the offensive defensive lines, and uh, Nebraska's offensive line is pretty good, and they asserted themselves over time and dominated a uh, Nebraska uh, defensive front. A lot of bad tackles. Northwestern's
0: offensive line, you mean? You said Nebraska's, I'm sorry.
3: Nope, my apologies. So Nebraska's offensive line ended up uh, asserting themselves against Nebraska's (laughs) defensive front. And Nebraska also blew a lot of tackles, which are really important early in the year. And uh, I tell you what, uh, Nebraska's issues to me, they got all kinds of uh, 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 high-ranked quality, wideouts, running backs to a certain degree. Uh, but unless they shore up the offense and defensive lines they're we're going to still see the same Nebraska year in and year out. Uh, what struck me as uh, um, interesting is that Nebraska's unit was much like Michigan's a couple years ago in that they don't work as a unit. It seems that they have a lot of guys that go independent outside of their gaps um, and they try to make a play. So it's more about I than me uh, in team. And, uh, I think that's uh, why uh, uh, Northwestern got the win at the end.
0: Yeah, it was it was an ugly game for Nebraska's defensive line. A lot of their marquee guys, uh, like Garrett Nelson, who led their team in sacks last year, uh, was you know they they didn't they didn't have any pass rush. O'Shawn Mathis was their big transfer. Um, you know, completely negated in that game. He had 10 tackles, but he didn't really, you know, show up in any big way. So yeah, Nebraska with a disaster. It's almost, it was almost a stake in the heart of Scott Frost uh, era at Nebraska. I'm not even sure that if he wins his next seven or eight games, they'll bring him back because it was just such a Nebraska way to end a game. And that's not Nebraska historically. That's Nebraska under Scott Frost. We lost a one-score game, and we just had every opportunity to seal it up, and we didn't. So a couple other games of note, uh, which we will talked about earlier. Illinois crushed Wyoming. It's not a very good Wyoming team. Illinois obliterated them. Uh, Chase Brown had a big game, 151 yards rushing, three touchdowns. Uh, Illinois also lost their backup running back Rodney McCray who is an absolute sledgehammer but he is now out with a leg injury we don't know how long that's going to last and Isaiah Williams their big receiver who uh, had to leave the game evidently with cramps I think but we'll see what his availability is like after that they absolutely have to have Isaiah Williams he's their only big play wide receiver so that'll be crucial to them in the future and one final note, uh, we did, or at least I, I say we, I watched the Nevada-New Mexico State game because New Mexico State is our you know, up- upcoming opponent in game three. New Mexico State is epically bad. Um, this is a bad Nevada team. They lost their head coach. They lost a ton of players to transfers. And at one point in this game, they were up 17-2 on New Mexico state and New Mexico state managed to make it a game by scoring a touchdown. And then Nevada just sort of shrugged that off and pulled away. Uh, if they weren't going to win that Nevada game, I don't know what game New Mexico state's going to win. Uh, I like, and respect Jerry kill, but this is, this is one of the most impossible tasks in college football is making New Mexico state relevant. So we'll see what happens with that. All right. With week zero out of the way and all the injury depth chart and visitor reports done, let's get into the game itself. Dan, I'm turning the, uh, the show over to you. Uh, give us a preview of Illinois State.
3: All right. Uh, Illinois State University Redbirds. Um, you know, uh, ISU went 4-7 and seven last year. Their head coach is Brock Spack, who coached uh, and played for Purdue – And uh, defensive coordinator is Travis Nykamp, who is from Stevens Point. And ISU has quite a few Wisconsin kids on the roster, so that's pretty cool. Brand new offensive coordinator for this season is Tony Peterson, who uh, came to us from the University of Illinois, who I think that we held to under 100 uh, yards last year. And so I'm gonna split this up offensively, defensively, special teams. So we'll go with ISU's offense first. And uh, last year they ran a pro style offense with a young inexperienced quarterback. And they predominantly wanted to run the ball. They did a lot of single tights in line, a lot of double tights in line, uh, some play action passes. Definitely running was a strength of theirs last year. They got two tight ends. Both are 6'6", and uh, one is a little leaner, and he's more of a pass threat. But the other big man will also uh, catch some passes, but he's a, he's a fine blocker. So it's interesting that Tony Peterson comes in this year who's predominantly a spread guy. And so they, when they're in the spread, they oftentimes will go with no inline tight end, and H-back, and of course a running black, uh, running back, and then a quarterback who's new this year from the University of Minnesota, Zach Anikstead, who's a competent quarterback, um, started as a true freshman, as a walk-on. And it was kind of a big deal a few years ago that the first game of the year, uh, Zach Anikstead won that starting quarterback job for the Gophers. Uh, but this year will be interesting because Jimmy Leonard's got his work cut out for him in that he's got to prepare for more of a pro style because Tony Peterson inherits the, the, the roster from last year. And they do have those two senior, tall, big, tight ends. And if you spread it out, where do they go? So I was able to look at some film from last year. I watched their game against NDSU and South Dakota. And then I looked at clips this year. So I'm only taking in snippets. So I don't have a ton of information other than uh, they will split out the tight ends into a, splot- into a slot when they're double wide in a, in a uh, spread offense and uh, um, they will also do some double tights i think that we're going to see a mix between pro style and spread this week or this week and uh, jimmy leonard again has to get his defense ready for both mostly he needs to concentrate on just having his guys sound in what they do and don't worry about what isu does ultimately along their offensive line now i coached and i played um uh, offensive, uh, offensive line And I've coached some defensive line and played some defensive line. So ultimately, I look at that pre-snap and post-snap, I watch the lines. So on the left tackle for ISU is a sophomore, about 6'5", 295, good feet, uh, 6'2", 300-pound left guard, um, physical kid, um, not overly uh, athletically blessed, center is a big young man, and the matchup will be... Cannell uh, Benton against their center. His name is Drew Bones. Last year he was 6'4, th- uh, 350. He's dropped 25 pounds this year and is a pro po- uh, prospect. So that will be interesting. Uh, at right guard is a 6'5, roughly 305 pound uh, gentleman from uh, DC Everest. And so I was able to watch his, uh, his high school film, and I looked at a few of these guys on, if, uh, from their high school film. Now, granted, it's two, three, four year, uh, years removed, but I do think there's some information relevant or applicable when you do take a, a look at a young man in his high school years to a certain degree. At right tackle, they have a big young man. He's a junior. He's 6'8", 305. Now, the one thing I will say, in my opinion, how, you know, we run predominantly a thirty four when we face spread teams, we will run at 25, meaning we got two kids with their hands in the uh, with their hands in the dirt. And so this week, I imagine we're gonna see more spread than what we will see pro style. And when we see that, I think that we're gonna see a lot of twists and a lot of uh, um, stunts at the front because truthfully, Illinois State's, uh, the sophomore's unknown to me other than I saw his high school film, but, but really, a lot of those guys have heavy feet. When an offensive lineman has heavy feet, you want to make them move horizontal to a uh, line of scrimmage. So different types of stunts where you stunt around and you bring Herbig or CJ C. Getz from the outside around into the middle, I think will be effective because you want to get those offensive players moving their feet laterally. Um, and then with the defensive tackles, who is likely going to be a uh, Keanu Benton, And in this uh, uh, situation, it could be either of the DNs that cross the front. So in a loop loop stunt, you'll see the defensive uh, 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 tackles cross the front. They head to the outside of the tackle. And then the outside linebackers loop inside. I think that will be effective this week because ISU's offensive line has heavy feet. And so again, the matchup to watch offensively is Benton against their center, Drew Bones. So on defense, ISU runs a 43, and they have a stand-up outside uh, linebacker named Zeke Vandenberg, who's about 6'2", 240. Opposite of him on the other side of the line is a senior uh, with the last name, I think it's Braden Deming, who's 6'4", 255, a transfer out of uh, Montana. I was able to watch some film, and they look decent. They deserve to be on this field. I do not think that they will hold up against Wisconsin's offensive line, though. Linebackers are a bit undersized. Corners um, are a return from last year. We have some young, strong, wide receivers, quick, fast. And so that will be an interesting matchup. And they got brand new safeties as transfers. And so I would imagine that our we're going to run the ball inside quite a bit, at least in the initial part of the game, with power and inside zone. We're going to run it outside zone. I think that we're going to be effective in our running game, and we will pick up chunk yards. I would imagine we're going to see more. Uh, we're going to see a little bit more this year. Play action pass with Mertz to get him comfortable, give him some easier, quick hitting passes, and uh, I would like to see our screen game pick up. I think everything's going to be effective in this game against ISU. I'm not sure that they have a depth, uh, the depth needed to, to contend with us for 60 minutes. And so, you know, advantage Wisconsin. Special teams, they had a really good punter and kicker last year. Both of them are gone. They actually had a new kicker who got hurt this year late, and they brought in a transfer from the University of Nebraska. I don't know how good that young man is, but ultimately I see uh, a Wisconsin victory this week. And uh, I think that we're going to get a look at some second and third teamers in this one. That's all I got, Big John.
0: Thank you, Dan. That's why we bring you in. You're the expert. So on that note, quickly, uh, why does Wisconsin win? Uh, Will, I'm going to kick it to you. Uh, Why does Wisconsin win this game?
1: I mean, they, they win. I mean, Dan kind of mentioned it. One, They're going to have so much better depth, and I mean, they could probably run the ball every single play on Saturday and still win. And their their defense should be physically and uh, scheme wise. I would I would imagine able to just outmatch ISU's offense.
0: Uh, Rob, concurring opinion.
2: Yeah, I think so. And I'm sorry. What was his name? The offensive coordinator they brought in from Illinois,
3: Tony Peterson.
2: Yeah, so I think Peterson is really going to try and instill a little bit of his system into Illinois State's o- offense. And I think what you're going to see is our inside linebackers and our uh, corners really shut down that, that mini spread uh, short pass that he likes to run. So I think they're going to, with that taken away from them, they're going to have to resort to more running. And I think you're going to see, as Dan mentioned, that Keanu's going to have a, a good time in there and our outside linebackers are really going to get a push and I think we're going to stop the run. I, I just don't think they have the, the guys they need to be able to score on us. Uh, so we'll see what we do on offense. I think it's going to be – well, we'll get to that in the next question, but I think the defense yeah. is just too strong for their offense.
0: On that note, our next question uh, normally, this question on past episodes of the Bucky Cast for game week was, why does Wisconsin lose? I'm switching it up this time because this is not an opponent that is in any way, shape, or form matched up evenly with Wisconsin at all. Why does Wisconsin not win by a large enough margin? Let's define large enough. Uh, three touchdowns or more. Uh, Rob, you're first. Go.
2: Yeah, I think that the chance for us to win not by three touchdowns is there, particularly because I think we're going to want to try out and give experience to our backup quarterback. So I think what we're going to end up seeing is we're going to end up seeing by third quarter, maybe, maybe fourth quarter for sure, but maybe even third quarter, we're going to see either Deacon Hill or Miles Burkett come in, we're going to see Julius Davis come in. We're going to see Wills Logan Brown jump in. I think what we're going to see is a lot of the people come in um, to get some experience in this game. And when things like that happen, I still think our second string should be able to dominate. But I think that there's a chance that we won't win then by as much as I think we could win by just because we need that experience now when before it would have been nice. Now
3: we kind of need to throw them in there and get that experience.
0: Will any uh
1: yeah, I think so. Dan kind of mentioned they have these like two big tight ends. And and when he said that I said flashbacks when we played Purdue last year and their monster tight end just killed us up the scene. Payne game.
0: Durham. I finally remembered yeah. his name, Payne Durham.
1: So I guess like maybe you know, we try to get Graham Mertz some reps to you know improve the offense, the passing offense as, as relatively quickly as we can, and maybe that struggles. Maybe we get a few early turnovers. Maybe they have a little success offensively working those teams like uh, like Purdue and some other teams did to us last year. and And maybe that just kind of, you know, swings the game 7 to 14 points to make it a little closer than it should be.
0: And what do you think? Will Wisconsin win by not enough points or – Does it depend?
3: I'm sorry, what was, say that again?
0: Uh, I said, uh, do you think Wisconsin wins by enough points to make this worthwhile or is it going to be less than three touchdowns?
3: I would say that uh, number one, I agree with both of the comments by uh, Will and Rob on, on how things could unravel. Um, I'm, I, I got a game going 48 to zero. I think it's going to be a shutout. I think there's going to be a lot of points put on the board, but I agree in that if we're going to give the second team quarterback, a lot of reps, if we have, if we have, uh, turnovers, which I sure hope not in my 48 to zero score, I'm banking that is not the case that we're going to turn the ball over and that we're going to get some turnovers. And so, um, uh, I would say that, uh, um, you know, forty-eight to zip. We got a shutout going. I think that we're going to really shine in this one, off uh, running the ball and uh, uh, passing the ball, and defensively.
0: All right. Well, on that note, you've already given your uh, your score, Dan. Uh, you're you're saying that uh, Wisconsin's going forty-eight nothing. The line on this game is Wisconsin is minus thirty-three. That means they're expected to win by thirty-three points or more uh i'm I'm betting the over on that one uh ultimately, I think Wisconsin wins this game walking away uh it could be thirty five nothing I don't care, but Illinois State's gonna have a really hard time scoring on our defense or at least i i I see no reason why they wouldn't have a hard time uh Rob, what do you think do they cover?
2: Yeah, they're definitely gonna cover. Week ones through three is where you uh, you bet these huge lines and you think you're still going to cover these huge lines. I think Wisconsin, it's funny you say that, Dan. That's exactly the score I had in my mind. I think this is going to be 40, 47 or 48 to 0. Uh, I think they're easily going to cover. Um, I'll be honest, even if we put our second string in, I still think we're going to cover the 33. Wow. But I think it maybe it uh, maybe we're still we're looking at um, 37, 38 to zero at that point. I still think we're gonna we're gonna shut them out.
0: Will, what do you think?
1: You know, thirty three points is just such a big number to cover. Uh, I think they do cover. Having said that, and I I don't know if I'll you know predict a shutout because that's that's so hard to do. We'll say forty five seven.
0: Look, if they could shut out Illinois with the same offensive coordinator last year, they should be able to shut out Illinois State for heaven's sake. Great they part. don't have anyone like Chase Brown or Isaiah Williams on their roster. So, of course, Zach Anakstad may be more competent than, uh, than Arder Sitkowski, but ah, I just, yeah, I can't imagine them not holding them to at least just seven or three points, even if it's not a shutout.
2: Will, if that shocks you, wait until you see my prediction for New Mexico State. <laughs> oh no!
0: Oh, let's not let's not murder New Mexico State before they're even before they even <laughs> walk into the building. Um, all right. So on that note, uh, we're going to bring the show to an end. We usually do a forward segment, but everyone is honestly looking forward to the first game of the football season. So it's a unanimous choice as to that's what the forward segment is about. So, uh, once again, folks, thank you for joining us. This is a little longer of a show, but we had a lot of stuff to cover. Um, it's fall it's sports season and that's just, you know, how it rolls. Uh, be sure and follow us on Twitter. We are at the Bucky or you can send us an email. Again, we love to get emails. Uh, that is thebuckycast43 at gmail.com. Until we see you again next week, peace out, people.
3: Have a good one, Al. So bad. See ya.